Same for AMC. Um, the REIT for them is EPR Properties. They own a majority of AMC buildings. Same thing. AMC pays rent to the landlord. So that's essentially what REITs are. Yeah. The landlords and, you know, their tenants are going to be a little bit bigger than ours. It's like Hilton, Marriott, there's such a thing as hotel REITs. Yeah. Um, hotels pay rent as well. Get your water and give some wine. I should have had some wine. With exposure, execution, and consistency, there is nothing you can't do. Just keep planting. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning back in to another episode on the Responsible Homegirl podcast. My name is Kiani Epps. Of course, I am the Responsible Homegirl. And this is a space that I have created so young adults can become financially responsible and wealth conscious. So like I always tell y'all, the way that we do this is by one, sharing financial education, and two, interviewing amazing entrepreneurs who are building their wealth through business. So y'all know I have been talking y'all heads off about personal finance for so long. And in this season, I want to invite some personal finance content creators that I look up to, that I admire, that I have been watching even before I like decided to create the Responsible Homegirl. And today we have no other than Mr. Andre, the millennial next door himself. So Andre, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about personal financing and investing and everything. And, you know, help out a few people. I'm really excited for it. Right. So, matter of fact, let me tell y'all a little funny story about how I even got introduced to Andre. So, this was way before I started. I don't know if it was way before I started The Responsible Home Girl or not, but I had been following him for so long because the education, the content, everything that he shares is just so dope. And it's so relatable. I love when people share content that is digestible for like the everyday person who may not be like, you know, deeply involved in personal finance. But anywho, one day um, I saw a flyer where he was hosting this seven day workshop, investing workshop, and every day was like multiple speakers. It was a virtual event. Y'all, when I tell y'all that um, workshop was so good. And it was my first time like really investing, investing in something like dealing with personal finance. And it blew my mind. I took so many notes. I probably still have the, the notebook pages filled up with notes. But this is just like a full circle for me because, like I said, Andre was somebody that I used to look up to or still look up to. And now, boom, he on the responsibility Yo, of your podcast. Like I mentioned before, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> don't, don't do it. <laughs> okay, Andre. So can you tell the people, tell us a little bit about yourself and why did you even get involved in personal finance? Like, why do you start, or why did you start caring about personal finance and investing? Yeah, you know, I got started like way back in 2016, you know, when I was becoming the millennials next door mm-hmm. and I was just bored at my insurance job. I always thought I was good with money. Mm-hmm. It turns out I was just really cheap because, yeah, I didn't know anything about money at all. So, you know, I'm studying for this certified financial planner thing. I'm learning so much. It's like, whoa, Andre, you don't know nothing. Mm. Like, I really thought I did, Kiana, but apparently I don't. So with everything going on, it's okay. I need to get my finances set up. And, you know, ultimately, it's just, I just want to retire early and be on the beach. Like, I don't plan on retiring in America. It's too expensive. Mm-hmm. That, that's the cheap side in me. But, you know, it's like, yo, I just want to get this thing done where so I can enjoy the rest of my life and just keep it on moving. So, you know, that's what I do. 
good personal financial management because you know you can make a lot of money but if you can't manage it it kind of negates everything you just just earned exactly and the same for investing it's like hey i need my money to work for me fast so i can get to my retirement faster right so you said that you were studying for the cfp um anybody that don't know what that is that just stands for certified financial planner so are you currently a certified financial planner no not currently Every now and then, I think about getting back on the train for it. But it's like, honestly, you know, when I was working in a financial firm, and this is not a knock on CFPs, mm-hmm. uh, it's just for them, their content and the study material is really more gears towards people who are making like well into the six figures. And honestly, that's just not my clientele. Yeah. So it's like, if I did become one, it would just be just as I'm a CFP, but I don't think many people get much benefit. I'll be teaching the same thing I'm teaching now. Absolutely. And I feel like um, what you said is very true because sometimes you can't even work with certain advisors unless you have like $250,000 worth of investable assets. And think about like the everyday person who is, you know, wanting to retire early, who wants to learn how to invest, they need to be served as well. So now can you tell me a little bit about like what inspired you to create the Millennials Next Door and how did you build that brand from the ground up? (laughs) You know, it's... um. Uh, interesting story it's a long story but I'm gonna sum it up okay. uh, you know I hate to say I, I feel like I just got lucky but I feel like I just did maybe I got in at a good time when you know, it wasn't too many wasn't such a saturated market mm-hmm. but you know on my Instagram page I had a boring personal one because I didn't do much back then so it's okay I'll just post some financial stuff and you know people started liking it they wanted to see more of it Next, I know that page just became my business page mm-hmm. at one point. And then from there, it just like took off on Instagram. I think it's like maybe 34,000 followers now. Wow. And like after it reached 5,000, I was done. So oh, yo, this is dope. I, I think I'm done because I didn't think I'd get past 5,000 at all. Right. But, you know, since then, it's just been nice just to teach about investing mainly. Um, you know, that's possibly, possibly part of the journey too. Is I say, hey, what works well for me? Like, what is interesting to me? Mm-hmm. And more importantly, what will people pay for? So, yeah. you know, I've done personal finance. I've done personal coaching. Now I'm on investing. That's why I'm going to be sticking for the long term now. Mm-hmm. And just because, you know, when I was doing the financial coaching, it turns out that people who need help with money, they don't have a lot of money to pay you with. Talk about it. Yo, and it'd be crazy. Like, I'm talking to people in Cali. They're making six figures. And I was only charging $100 per month. They did not have the money for it. Because they live paycheck to paycheck. It's not about what you make. It's about, well, it's really not about what you make, but it's more so about what you keep. And if you can't manage Mm -hmm. it, you can be living a paycheck, like living paycheck to paycheck and still earning well into the six figures. Facts. Yeah, 100%. It's just amazing how many people you will talk to that make a lot of money, but they don't keep none of it. It just keeps shelling out, shelling out, shelling out. Mm Mm-hmm. Sad, but yeah, th- that's the life we live in. <laughs> yeah, but also that's why, or that's that's where we come in at because I don't know why people think like budgeting is just for people who like are tight on their money or they only have a little bit, so they need to plan it out. Right. I don't care if you make ten thousand dollars a year or a hundred thousand dollars a year. You need a budget. Period. A hundred percent. It's just you know. I talked to this one lady, um, you know, shout out to Rhonda Potter. Uh, she's this big VP in Chase Morgan Bank, and she manages clients like, well, I think half a mil, they need to even come sit at her table, basically. 
But, you know, me and her will talk every now and then. So it's like the things that the wealthy do, it's the same habits that anyone can do. Yeah. We think there's a lot of secrets. You know, that's like clickbait when I say these are the secrets the wealthy don't want you to know. Mm-hmm. Y'all, it's the same secrets. Like <laughs> everybody knows it. It's just the basics. That's it. There ain't no secrets out there. Right. <laughs> But it's those small habits that, you know, make big changes over time. And that's something that I always try to preach to my community because it doesn't matter if you can save $5 or $20. Mm-hmm. Some people don't save that. And then later on, you'll look at your bank account, or your savings account and be like, dang, I didn't even know I was doing it like this. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's about the momentum and getting into the mindset. So right. as you mentioned, if you can do like $5, hey, you're going to keep upping it and upping it and upping it. Because I'll say the same for you and me. Like we all didn't just stop investing $1,000 at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like $10 here, $20 there, whatever I could get. Um, whatever right. I could get from Uber and my job. Yeah, you know, you work with what you can. Yeah. And I want you to, I'm happy you said that. Can you talk a little bit about during like your process, how you probably had to make sacrifices or do certain things so you could reach certain financial goals? Yep. So I'm still in the process of that right now. Yes, talk about <laughs> it. I so said I'm age 33. Mm-hmm. So um life story real quick. Um got out of college, been working in insurance ever since. Like I did some financial gigs here and there, but mainly insurance, right? So got married, got into a house, we got divorced, split up everything. So it's kind of like starting over a little bit at age 30. So I decided, okay, I can financially dedicate myself, you know, sacrificing everything for the next five years. Mm-hmm. So age 35, that's when I'm starting to get a little bit more looser with my money. But, you know, until then, it's like, okay, I just want to build and keep on building. Yeah. So some of the things, you know, that I did sacrifice, and this is called delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yo, let's see. I did Uber a lot. I kept doing my brain ambassador gigs. I did a lot of overtime. I moved into a house, into a townhome, and this was like before things went crazy in the market. But, you know, this is going to be my first time living alone, but I decided, you know what, I'm going to get a roommate instead. Hey, the roommate income helped. Um, I'm in my new house now. I sold the old house, made some money for me, bought a newer, nicer house. Mm-hmm. And for this one, my plan is to do Airbnb. Uh, I had it since, sep- no, since October now. But yeah, I got to get Airbnb in here because otherwise this thing needs to make some money. Otherwise, it's you know, going to become a liability in every sense. Right. You know, that's what it's about, um, delayed gratification. It's like if you do sacrifice of five years now, like you can really set yourself up financially for the next 20. Yeah. Just got to put in the time and just say, you know what? I don't need to go out. I don't need to go on any trips anytime soon. I think that's what a lot of people saw during COVID. You know, if, like, if you can't go out, uh, no trips, no bunch. Like, people save so much money during COVID. Exactly. So like, hopefully they kind of, you know, keep that momentum going. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that you said, like, if you just sacrifice five years, you can really set yourself up financially. Because sometimes we're so busy looking at what we can get right here, right mm-hmm. now, what we can post on IG, how we can look. But are you really focusing on the bigger picture? And I'm not I don't like to like tell people to deprive themselves, but I do believe that you have to make sacrifices to get to where you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's really just an easy equation when you think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we always talk about just doing the simple things. So it's like, hey, save more, pay down debt, invest more. And as you mentioned, I think that's good. Like you don't have to deprive yourself of everything. Right. Like last year I did go on one trip. 
But you know, you don't need to go on maybe four trips. Right. Maybe you can, like, dial it back a little bit. <laughs> right. Maybe you don't need to go out every weekend, which is like the reason why I spend so much money. So it's like, yeah, some weekends I just stay inside and I stay hidden from society. Mm-hmm. Because if you go outside, that's costing you two hundred dollars. Easy. <laughs> Easy, Easy. two hundred. <laughs> So, Andre, you call yourself the REIT King. Now, my first time even knowing what a REIT was was by attending your workshop. So can you tell my community what is a REIT and why do you even care about REITs? Why are you so passionate about that type of investment vehicle? Yeah, so, you know, we're going to play a quick game here. You ready? Sure. (laughs) These are not trick questions, I promise. So okay. let's go ahead and name, um, we'll just do one. So the United States Postal Service System, right? Mm-hmm. USPS. How do they make money? Um, shipping out packages. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, AMC, how do they make money? Um, people come to the movie theater to watch movies. Yep, that's it. You see, no trick questions. <laughs> but you know, it's like for these type of companies, they don't really want to handle the actual building itself. So like the postal service, they're busy on delivering packages, even though they don't get here on time. AMC is busy on going and taking them, you know, like movie tickets and charging for overpriced popcorn. They're not <laughs> focused on the building at all. Right, so like right. there's one week um, called United States Postal, um, United States Postal Service, I'm sorry, Realty. They own majority of the post offices in America. That's their niche. So anytime you've been to the post office, it's a good chance they own it. And pretty much the USPS system, they pay their rent on an annual basis, on a long lease term, whichever one they decide to do. You know, they're like tenants. Same for AMC. Um, The read for them is EPR Properties. They own a majority of AMC buildings. Same thing. AMC pays rent to the landlord. So that's essentially what REITs are. Yeah. The landlords and, you know, their tenants is going to be a little bit bigger than ours. It's like Hilton, Marriott, there's such a thing as hotel REITs. Yeah, um, hotels pay rent as well. Yeah. So the reason why I'm passionate about it is, one, I'm not that big into owning multiple properties. Mm-hmm. It's not in my blood. I know people say you should, but hey, it's not for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, yeah, it's like, it's too much to handle sometimes. It makes my blood pressure go up. <laughs> but like it's a good way to invest in real estate without owning real estate like you can still make money in the market and there's just so many different markets to make money in so i mean there's like 11 different sectors of reits from like things you would never imagine if you've ever been on south side like you've ever seen those billboards called lamar yeah yeah um that's a read as well oh wow they own the plots they own the billboards and they sell the space pretty much mm-hmm. uh there's one read that's possibly coming out this year they're focusing on Amazon warehouses. So Amazon will be their customer essentially. That's going to be a gold mine. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, there's some good money to be made. And, you know, the other big reason is the dividends. Uh, real quick, for the REITs, they have to pay 90% of their taxable income back to shareholders. Mm-hmm. So let's say Tesla makes 100K in the year. They don't have to pay that to shareholders. REIT, ABC, they make 100K. $90,000 of that is going back to shareholders in the form of dividends. So, you know, it's good for dividends, steady growth, easy peasy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it should be part of everyone's portfolio just a little bit, maybe 10, 20 Mm percent. So can you tell me, like, during the pandemic, you know how people wasn't really going places and Mm -hmm. we weren't really in physical spaces. Did you see, like, a dip in your REITs or did, like, those companies kind of, like, pivot 
so that they could still make money in some sort of way? You know, for a lot of the REITs and just a general market, like thing like March up until May, everything did. Mm-hmm. And needless to say, I took a lot of spending opportunities there. Yeah. So everything did. And some of them made transitions. Um, hotels, they did their best. But at the end of the day, people aren't traveling. Hotel REITs, they aren't making money. The next big REIT was office REITs. So we see that Twitter, Facebook saying that people might be able to work indefinitely. Hey, office suites ain't looking too good anymore. Like, we don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah, we don't know. But other ones such as um, the mall we so there's one called Simon Properties, there's one called O Realty. They own a lot of retails. Uh, majority of the times, they just did their best to manage the spread of COVID, but they still made some decent money, especially once malls open back up, because that's where you're getting the vaccines at. You're getting vaccines at Publix, Kroger, right. which, again, retail units by that O Realty, they own a lot of those things. Yeah, overall, they they did their best. So now do you see it like, I want to say like coming back up as more people go outside? Oh yeah, most definitely. Um, Things are coming back. Mm-hmm. I want to say the REITs this past year, they actually had the strongest comeback ever. Like things like the second, it was in the top two from my read. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, you know, as life gets to be where it was before, yeah, essentially everything's coming back. So warehouse REITs, there's such a thing called Timberland REITs. They did very well this past year because like the lumber shortage. Mm. But, you know, even for hotel REITs, they are coming back. I don't think the hotel REITs are paying. They didn't pay much dividends last year, but we'll see for this year. But my strategy was simple for them. Purchase a bunch of them because they got really low. And it's like, it's just a long-term hold for me. It's like, it's going to go up when the economy goes up. Yeah. It'll go down when the economy goes down. Yeah. And one thing that I'm very happy that you said was like, um, it's a long-term hold for you. So can you talk to the people out there who may like be afraid to start investing because they don't want to lose money? Can you talk about the difference between short-term and long-term investing? Yeah. Short-term investing, you have a shorter time frame. So let's say maybe weeks, months, or one year. That's what we can use is kind of say, hey, that's short-term investing. Uh, perfect example, let's say I invest into Fiverr. That's one that I did recently. Fiverr, international gig economy, but it's like, this is like a short-term trade for me. I'm looking to make some money maybe in the next few months when things kind of get back to normal. Long-term trades for me, it's going to be index funds, ETFs, companies I don't see going anywhere time soon. I think for that one, I mainly did Google, Facebook, and Apple. Mm-hmm. In the long-term, it's just easier in the sense because you get the time more I'm sorry, you give the company more time to grow. Yeah. Very similar, like, you know, if you plant a seed, if it doesn't grow in the next week, you know, that's that's natural. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, you have to give these things time. So that's why long-term investing, you give the company more time, your chances of getting a better gain from that company is way higher compared to short-term trading. Yeah, I love that. And one thing that I learned about attending your workshop, I can't remember who talked about it, but they were talking about, like basically investing in companies that you already use, that you already love and yeah. that you know aren't going anywhere. So when I like have that in my mindset, when I'm picking different um, investments for my Roth IRA, I'm just like, okay, T-Mobile, that's who I pay my phone bill to. And there are millions of other people who pay their phone bill to T-Mobile. They're a pretty decent company. Apple, like you said earlier, Apple mm-hmm. is another one, Facebook, Google, so like these companies that we are always using that we already like, we already trust and we know aren't going anywhere. I feel like that is a great way to 
you know, just start thinking about investing for the long term. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I mean, investing isn't necessarily easy, but it can be easy. So, you know, index funds, ETFs, I'm a big advocate for those. If you're not sure which stock to pick, hey, buy the whole sector, buy the whole market. And as long as the market wins, you win too. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about like, because somebody might be listening to this and they may not know what an ETF is or which one is. For this one, I'm simply put index funds and exchange traded funds, aka aka ETFs, because it's a long name. (laughs) <laughs> they'll pretty much a basket of stocks right so in this basket there's going to be like two percent of stock a three percent of stock b so on and so on the way i always like to use like the analogy is think about the lakers let's say the lakers are playing whoever and you say i want to put some money on the team um you can put a hundred dollars on lebron james and call it a day but say like, hey what if lebron has a bad game you lose all your hundred dollars yeah. So instead, you can say, I want to put $100 on the Lakers. If the Lakers still win, you get some of your money, even though LeBron might have been out for, for like the two weeks. And that might be like a good example of the sector. So, you know, you can buy clean energy stocks. Yeah. You can buy index fund and financials. You can buy one in the metaverse. And then the ultimate ones say, you just want to invest in the NBA. That'd be like buying the stock market indexes such as SPY or the NASDAQ. You know, just like playing it all across the table. I think the main benefit is that you're not going to gain a lot. You're not going to lose a lot. It's just usually it's typically going to go steadily up. Yeah. I love that example. I hope y'all took note. I love that. I love that. So now segueing into people who want to invest. I always say investing is such a broad term. Like there are so many different ways to invest. But since we're talking about the stock market, can you give my community maybe just some simple, quick, easy steps for those who want to start investing but hasn't started yet? Like, where should they start? What should they do? Oh, man, yeah, that, that's a loaded question there, but let's, let's knock it out. <laughs> All right, so the first step I always suggest is to find someone that you connect with, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's me, whether it's you, whether you pay for a course, don't pay for a course. Find some type of source and community that you can connect with because that's going to help you grow at the end of the day. Yeah. Outside of that, the next step, hey, create your brokerage account. Majority of the times, if they are charging you a fee to trade or open a minimum account, I'm going to say stay away from those. Mm-hmm. But I think like Charles Schwab, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, Robinhood, Webull, they all do it for free now. So you shouldn't have to pay anything. And then, you know, kind of like a house. You build the house, but you want to put money into it and, you know, actually have something in the house. Right. So when you do your brokerage account, make sure that you invest the money. Because we, I've seen it before in a financial firm. Someone put money in their account for 10 years. They thought they were investing it. No, nah, it, it just sat there. In there. Yeah. yeah. You got to make sure you pick the investments and buy into it. And I think the last step I'll say that I definitely believe in is like, hey, create your portfolio balance. The one thing that you ideally want to accomplish for me, it's 30% in long-term stocks and index funds. Then I have another 30% into REITs. Then I have another 30% into trend stocks, such as, you know, low tech cap, uh, low tech cap stocks right now, or Carnival Cruise Line or Royal Caribbean. And then I have 10% for risky stuff, such as cryptocurrency and electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. So try and figure out your game plan before you really get in there and, you know, diversify at all times because, like, 
if you invest in all one company, you can make a lot of money. You can lose a lot of money. Absolutely. I would rather you guys not take that risk, especially just starting now. Yeah. And thank you so much for that, Andre. The number one thing that stood out to me and that I always preach in my community is invest in your self-education. And that was the first thing that you yeah. said. Get connected to somebody. Like there are so many amazing personal finance content creators on Instagram, on YouTube, who literally create this content to help you learn. So if y'all don't get nothing else from this, like educate yourself. Don't just take your money and start doing something just to do it. Like, no, spend time um, consuming their free content, pay for some content. Like I told y'all, I paid for a workshop and it was amazing. I learned so much stuff that I can come back and share with y'all because of the investment that I made. So I would just say like, that is the number one, the most important thing to do is get connected with somebody and educate yourself. I definitely have to piggyback with you on that one. Uh, you know, my quick story is, I think three years or so ago, I've been trying to get abs for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And y'all, I'm just like going just in the blind lane in the gym. I'm not sure what I'm doing. I'm wasting time. I ain't going that much. But I think that if I would have just hired a trainer, right. I'd probably be doing it on a six pack right now. At least I would imagine. Right. But, you know, same for investing. If you don't have to go through the school of hard knocks, don't do it. You're wasting time. Right. Just go ahead and make the investment. Find someone that you, you know, really vibe with that they seem legitimate. Hey, if they're not legitimate, you made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Come back to us. Ask us for some recommendations. Yeah. I'd be more than happy to recommend some friends or myself. Absolutely. Yeah. And the personal finance community, we're pretty tight knit. We support each other. We know that everybody has their own different lanes. And I promise you, if you want to start investing, like, you know, find your favorite person that speaks your language and just go all in mm-hmm. oh you know and one more thing i just want to add on to and i'll be rambling uh if you're not into investing like you're not into the whole diy stuff hire a financial advisor yeah charge one percent of your assets um we mentioned before that a lot of them usually don't take low amounts but you got to find someone mm-hmm. just because you're going to waste more time if you don't do it yourself just pay someone else to do it for you right go out and find them Yeah. And thank you for bringing that up, because even though I'm in personal finance, investing in the stock market is not really my thing. Like I would rather build my wealth through business. And that's why I talk a lot about entrepreneurship and building a brand and different stuff. So that's another Mm -hmm. thing. Figure out what really works for you. And like you said, Andre, earlier, like you love REITs because you don't really want to be hands on with owning property. So that's another thing, like figure out what you like, what works for you. You don't have to do something just because it's hyped on Instagram or hyped on social media. Yeah, well, I think the new hype is the NFTs now. Yeah. I ain't going to go on my rant for that one, but (laughs) maybe another day. (laughs) I don't even have anything to say about them, honestly, because I haven't done research. Um, But I need to put that on my to-do list to do some research on them. But It seems very interesting. (laughs) Plus, I think a lot of people are getting excited way too quick before we even know what's going on. But hey. Kind of reminds me like cryptocurrency when that first came out. Yeah. So many different things and so many people are making money, losing money, scamming people. I just got to stay out of it for the time being. Yeah, I got you. So Andre, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Can you please tell the community or my community how they can support you, what you have coming up next, and of course, where to follow you on all social platforms? Uh, so in true millennial fashion, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> you all can follow me at the millennials next door. As far as the two major, th- major things I have coming up, um, I'm doing my winter cohort. 
So if you do want to do, do it yourself investing, I do four days of like very intense training. And then we have group coaching calls like twice a month. And then outside of that, I have my own podcast as well. It's called the Flavor Podcast. Yep, yep. Hey. It's so good. <laughs> Thank you. We'd we'll be trying out there. So we'll hey. get back into the guests coming up here actually next month for um, Black History Month. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to be good talking about the racial wealth gap. Yeah, I love that. And y'all, please, if you're interested in really learning how to um, invest yourself, I'm telling you, make the investment because like I told y'all before, this is probably like two summers ago. I think it was 2020 when you had the seven day investing workshop. Yeah, it was so good. I would pay for it 10 more times if I could. It was that good. I mean, you still can. I'll give my cash app later. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll work that out. <laughs> Stop it, stop it. <laughs> All right, Andre, is there anything else that you would like to? Oh, I forgot to ask. Before we end this, can you tell my community an uh, irresponsible financial decision that you ever made? You said any responsible decision I've ever made. No, uh, irresponsible. Oh, yo, when I was engaged, me and my fiance, we went to some place. Like, you know how they do those shows for you where they want you to buy something? Yeah, uh, we went there to get some free wings. I say, hey, free wings. Yeah, count us in. I say, we ain't gonna buy nothing. We ain't gonna buy nothing. We're gonna buy some expensive pots and pans. I think it costs like fifteen hundred dollars. And they said we'll get a, a cruise as well. So a cruise too? That sounds really nice. Never went on the cruise. It took us like three years to pay off the pots and pans. I was like, oh Jesus, never again. <laughs> okay, so. T- <laughs> Please tell me about these pots and pans. Like, <laughs> did they not stick? Were they like the best pots and pans ever? <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. Um, I still got them to this day. They are right. They ain't worth no $1,500, though. Right. And y'all never took the cruise. Never took they the cruise. They had the cruise? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think we tried to give it to someone because we decided not to go ourselves, and they decided not to go either. Oh, And wow. then, yeah, the deadline passed. Dang. Okay. So I always ask my guests that question because um, of course I have a brand called the responsible home girl, but I always say I am the recovered irresponsible home girl. So I made mm. so many irresponsible financial decisions and dumb money decisions. So I just like for other people to share their irresponsible financial decisions. So anybody listening, they won't feel like, oh, I'm all in this alone. Like, no, we've all made dumb mistakes with our money, but the great thing to do is just recognize that and then take the steps to move forward facts are we all been there and in today's world of instagram we only see the highlights yeah you gotta see the bloopers on the other side absolutely we all been there (laughs) absolutely thank you so much for being on the podcast andre i really appreciate it is there anything else that you would like to tell my people before we close out uh you know i say just be proactive um compared to reactive when it comes to investing and really just your personal finances like the time you want to ask for help is when you don't need it. Mm. So get it in there early. So it's just, it works a lot easier, I promise. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much again. Thank y'all for tuning in. Always remember, with exposure, execution, and consistency, there is nothing you can't do. See y'all next time.